Let's turn, if you would, with me to Ephesians in chapter 4. It's interesting that Brother John picked that verse. I did not know what verse he was going to pick, but it ties right in with the message this morning. And so we're excited about that. There we go. The unity of faith. Ephesians in chapter 4. Ephesians 4. And look, if you would, with me in verse 13. Ephesians 4, verse 13. The Bible says, Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Let's pray. Lord, would you quiet our hearts right now and cause us to understand your word, open our minds, change our lives. We pray for any of the room who are not yet saved, that they'd come and put their faith in Jesus Christ. And for those of us who are saved, that we would choose to live a life pleasing to Jesus Christ. And we thank you for how you're going to speak to us through the, your word. Help us to be changed by it, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Ephesians 4. Till we all come to the unity of the faith. Faith has a unifying factor, and serving, uh, saving faith is a faith that delivers. I thank God faith is victorious. This is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Faith brings balance. It tells us in verse 14, as a result of this faith, that we be henceforth no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every, look at what he says. Would you say that phrase together with me in your, note, in your Bible? Wind of doctrine by the sight of men, by cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. If you've ever played a game of cards with people, you understand that sometimes in these cards, I teased folks that these were cards, okay? They're not cards. But um, uh, when you, if you ever played a game of cards, there are people, and you can watch people do tricks with those cards. They hide their cards. They do things in order to uh, always win. And the Bible says it's not by some sleight of men. Look, I don't have a special trick or some magical power involved with Sunday worship. Okay? We're just God. All right? And we are believing God to build his church. And he said through the foolishness of preaching, he confounds the wise. And so that's why young men, your first time preaching or maybe your second time preaching or maybe your seventh time preaching, whatever it might be, if you get to preach, look, God uses the foolishness of preaching. And God will use you. God will, God will work in your life if you have the desire to do that. This is a great thing. God uses his word. Don't worry about the delivery. Commit that to God. I've challenged each of the men, and I challenged Brother John, especially uh, when he first started out in Christian. I said, look, guys, uh, why don't you fast before you get up and preach? Fast before you get up and preach. And, and the power that God gives as a result of fasting and prayer is very important. And it comes through faith, the unity of faith. But he says that we be no more tossed about as children. He says, tossed about with every wind of doctrine. The winds of doctrine sure are blowing around. There's constant opinions of men. There's different, different doctrines flying here and there. And depending on which time period we exist in and throughout history, you see different winds of doctrine that flow into Christianity. And a faith-filled believer can accomplish the impossible, but all things are possible to him that believeth. The Bible says in Psalms how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. The unity of faith does several things, and you see in this passage as a result of this unity of faith. Now look, how can two walk together except they be agreed? And look, everybody who says they have the faith doesn't have the faith. 
Uh, but what we're talking about here is that we're coming together, united in faith, saving faith in Jesus Christ, and believing in the power of God. I believe there is great power when we pray together. I believe there is great power when we believe God together. And we're going to have a few also prayer meetings coming up over the next few weeks preparing for this, uh, this renewal conference, Believing God to Work. And when we think of uh, this unity in faith, we see in our text there's stability in the leadership. There's stability. It says back in the text in verse 11, And he gave, speaking of Christ, he gave some apostles. They have now gone on. He, had, he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. God has given these things. Verse 12 says it's for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, and as a result of these things, till we all come to the unity of the faith. So the result in the plan of God is that God gives leaders to promote unity. That does not, you say, well, throughout history, uh, leaders have not always got along. You understand the counsel of the word of God, the whole counsel of the word of God. Paul did not get along with one of his associates. All right? There was a time period in which they disagreed. And then God sent Paul and Silas out separately. You've got to understand, God gives different time periods and leadership in different places. But throughout the word of God, we see there's this principle of stability in leadership. That's why I'm thankful for our missionaries, the Coax, 16 years in the same place. And now they get to impact the grandchildren and those, those who, are, who are the lady on the roof. You say, we don't have laundry on our roofs. They have flat roofs over there in that country. And they're standing up on the flat roof. Like Bible times, when the Bible describes David being up on the roof, it's a flat roof, concrete roof. And if you've been to third world countries, you've seen this, these types of things. So they're up on the flat roof, and they got, she got to impact her neighbor just on the other side. And look, because they've been there serving in the same place for 16 years, they have the opportunity to now see and impact other people. There's people that uh, two years ago, my wife and I got to talk to, who now we get to see in church. There's people that we got to minister to four and a half years ago when we moved here that now we get to impact some of their family. And see, stability in leadership is essential in the work of God. Every Christian needs spiritual heroes of the faith. We all need to see leaders who emerge, who are strong in faith. And my desire is that when David leaves here this, sun, this uh, summer, he will leave stronger in faith. He'll see God do something. My desire is that each of you young guys who have been discipled and who are being discipled, that you would have stronger faith. That's the whole purpose we're meeting. Have stronger faith. That your faith would be built up. That your faith would be encouraged. That you would become a leader who would do great things for God. Because, look, I recognize that our town needs more prophets, more evangelists, more pastors, more teachers. And I'm not talking about prophets in the sense of you see them in the Bible. But somebody who genuinely understands the time and is able to deliver the word of God appropriately to the time. God's plan is for these strong, faith-filled leaders to unite the church. But there will be constant winds of doctrine, so we need faith-filled leaders who can discern and direct the flock. Look, I'm thankful for uh, the missionaries we have who do a great job providing stability to the souls in their towns. Stability is, is essential. We have one of our missionaries, the Snowed family, and they have been serving over in the country of uh, the UK. Crazy place to be. They've started three churches. But his mission board director, the pastor of his sending church, had to step down due to a false accusation. And so because of that, he is now coming back stateside to run the mission board. 
You say that does not sound good. Because he has provided stability and helped three churches get established, and I think he has a very good philosophy in what he does, those three churches, I do believe, will continue to exist. And he's going to go back and travel and, and minister to them. But he's coming back stateside now to help and get more missionaries to go to the field. Timing and the placement of God. Serving. And stability. Providing stability, it's really, part of it is this. It's where you have friends, like mentors, who helped you 10 years ago, who are still in your life today. I challenge you, nurture those types of relationships with God's men. Long-term relationships. There's some men who have impacted my life over the last 20 years. And now when I call them and I see them, it encourages my heart that they're still staying faithful to Jesus Christ. So our faith, the unity of the faith, comes when we understand and we see God is working and we trust Him to work and we allow Him to provide stability. The apostles are gone, but we gain stability from studying their lives and ministries. The prophets, we gain much stability from studying the prophets, noticing their warnings and heeding their instructions. You read through Hosea. You read through these older prophets, the minor prophets and the major prophets in your, in your Bible. You read through their lives. You learn doctrine and you learn instruction. Warnings and heedings they gave to the children of Israel. Those apply to us today. The evangelists, these men focus their lives on winning the lost to Christ, and they stir the church to action. It's been said years ago that an evangelist, they would, the years, evangelists of years gone by, they would come in, they would blow in, blow up, and blow out. I mean, they would just kind of come in and blow the place apart, and then they would leave and let the pastor clean up the mess. And, <laughs> and that, was, that was a phrase that was used back in the day, and I know uh, Brother Micah is not that way, okay? And we thank God for him and his, in the way he seeks to See people get saved, see people trust Christ, and the way he seeks to encourage and edify the believers. And he's an inspiration in that way. Also, God gives pastors. These are those who have a heart to lead, care, direct, teach, and lead each member of the flock to growth. A pastor is one who leads somebody on to the next pastor. It's where you see the potential in somebody. And when you know God is stirring your heart, some of you young men, God's directing your hearts in different ways. If you know God's calling you to the ministry, he's going to give you a heart to nurture people, to help people take the next step. Partly, that is, and often for me and my wife, that is simply waiting until somebody gets to the end of their rope until they re reach bottom, and then they cry out for help and actually genuinely want it. Um, because if you help somebody too early... They're not ready, and they're going to fall back. They can, and so when somebody falls and finally realizes, I need God, and I completely need God, that's when they're ready for help, and that's when we seek to step in. Okay? But those who have a heart to lead and to care. Also, teachers, those who provide instruction. You see in our text, it says in verse 11, and these are the ones who provide this stability and build this faith, because he says there's this unity of faith. It comes as a result of teachers. He says in verse, in verse 11, pastors and teachers. I do submit to you today that there are some pastors who are pastors and some pastors who are teachers. And the teacher pastor generally has an older congregation with no children, with nobody saved. Nobody saved. Okay? That is not the plan of God. And, and that it's because once we get saved, we desire somebody to teach us. And so we'll go to a church where there's a teacher pastor. There's a balance between the two. And I believe in our church, as God allows us to grow, we're going to have an assistant pastor who's going to be more of a teacher pastor. All right? That's part of the plan. 
All right? And that's part of the plan for two years down the road, Lord willing, to have a teacher pastor who can help and provide more instruction, provide more guidance in the Word of God. But look, the timing and plan of that's all in the will of God, in the Word of God. But oftentimes we like one style or the other, and we're not in a preference game. Uh, you see these pastors and elders that were ordained in the Bible, they were all different, okay? And God says there's pastors. These are those who actually have a heart to care for, and they can understand and discern the needs of the flock. Others who are teachers, they're going to provide instruction, they're going to provide guidance, but they're going to provide doctrine from the Word of God, but they're not going to maybe understand to discern in the same way that a pastor would. And uh, they're not going to maybe see those things because that's not the way God has gifted them. So stability and leadership is recognizing each person has a role and a place, and God provides this leadership in the church to help the church be stable. And that helps build our faith. Sometimes a leader, though, feels like this right here, Okay. And you might walk into a leader's life and you might say, they look like they're on a tightrope and they're sweating profusely like this and trying to balance everything, okay? I submit to you that has been me sometimes, okay? And be patient with me. I am, I, even this week, I sought counsel from a man who's been pastoring for a good number of years down in Pennsylvania, and I got to sit in his service on Wednesday night, and we got to be in a meeting there with him, and this pastor came, and uh, Pastor, um, why am I forgetting his name, dear? Help me. Huh? Brother, Brother Sterling Welsh, and he's been there for a good number of years in that same place, but he came to the church, and 11 people voted him in, but get this, the church was $350,000 in debt. I said, brother, did you build this building while you were here? He said, no. My sister-in-law goes to church, to my sister-in-laws and brother-in-laws, and uh, we went there with them on Wednesday. And he said, no. He said, this building, and it's a massive, like, 500-seat auditorium. This building was here when we got here, he said. But there were 11 people to vote them in. They came in faith, and God helped them pay off the debt, all right? And they're now still there. But there was a lot of times where, as a leader, I'm sure he kind of looked like that, all right? Sweating profusely, walking the tightrope. And there's times where you might walk into a leader's life where they might be on the tightrope and you'll say, I wish they could do something for me. And oftentimes the leader wants to be able to do it. He just can't yet. Um, so give patience. There's always you cross the tightrope, you get on the other side, and you move on. So stability and leadership is believing God. And there are those who God has sent along, and God continues to send them to help in our church, to help the leaders stay on the tightrope. And God is working, and we thank him for that. All right, there's also a steadiness in our personal life, steadiness in life. Look in verse 13. It says, speaking of this unity of the faith, and he says when we have the unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, he says we come unto a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Maybe you've said this recently. I'm not perfect. Nobody's perfect. That's right. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. But the text says... Till we come unto the knowledge of the Son of God unto a almost perfect man. No, he says that a perfect man. So God's goal is that you and I be perfect. You say that's impossible. That's right. That's why we need the power of God. But there's this steadiness in life. He says the stature of the fullness of Christ. He says uh, that we not be like verse 14, children tossed Around, he says, tossed about by these winds of doctrine, by the slight of men. So if the cards are right, we do this. If the cards are wrong, we do that. And the cunning craftiness, just trying to figure our way around it, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. So we're not following around all these cunning plans. 
This is why there's great danger in just reading a book to try to fix and solve a problem. Our problems are not solved by simply reading one little tiny book. All right? Uh, for those of us who are in the parenting stage, reading a book on parenting is not going to solve all of our problems. I was trying to help somebody recently, and uh, they told me they said they were going to read a book, or they were going to watch a, a movie by a psychologist. They were needing help with the parenting. They said, well, I'm going to go watch a movie by this psychologist, and it's how to parent without discipline. Sound like a great idea. I challenged their thoughts. I said, friend, how about we just work on the Bible memory verse for the week, you know? Like, how about we just get the word of God in our hearts? Good grief. We're going to go get our philosophy on how to raise our kids from a psychologist. Look, this is what I'm dealing with, okay? And so you try to help and you try to guide, but we're getting our counsel from a psychologist that's pagan and doesn't even know God. And uh, even the title of the movie, How to Raise Your Kid Without Discipline, I'm like, okay. I guess that worked good in history. Um, maybe we should just read a little bit of history and history books and figure out how that worked. Doesn't work well. All right, so there's a steadiness in life. Tossed about as children from every wind of doctrine. And we're all challenged to be, uh, sometimes we need to be challenged to man up, step up, and do what is right and not be a child anymore. This steadiness in life comes from faith. Exodus 23, verse 2 says, Thou shalt not follow a multitude to do evil. All because there's a crowd doesn't mean it's right. And faith brings unity and stability. Doubt hinders that unity. If you remember the children of Israel, they were going forward. They're going to go conquer the land. And God says, you can go in. Go right in and conquer the land. But there was a few who doubted, and the whole thing got stopped. Part of me being a pastor is that occasionally somebody might even rise up in leadership. Somebody might rise up around me, but they might truly doubt the word of God. They might doubt the promises of God, and that doubt could hinder the entire congregation. And so when you see a church go up and down, up and down, it's faith, doubt. Faith, doubt. All right? So when it's on a down cycle, recognize maybe doubt might have left. Now it's time to have faith and believe God to go forward. The children of Israel were sent on a doubt cycle. They had to go 40 years wandering in the wilderness simply because they doubted. So steadiness in life is where we recognize and we see the power and the presence of God. And he says, God gave this stability and leadership to perfect the saints so that we have unity in the faith. The problem is we don't have unity often because we haven't trusted that God might have established the program. And there's doubt. And doubt comes in really quick. And doubt steals our faith. And doubt pulls us down. Don't let the doubts and the winds of life pull you down. Last night, weren't those winds powerful? Anybody hear those winds last night? You heard those winds? All right, you guys heard the winds. It wasn't just me up at last night, okay? My wife and I were up. Look, now she's sleeping in church. Don't y'all try that, okay? Good grief. At least she knows when to sleep. Quiet for church. I was thinking about that all last night, dear. I was just like, yep, wait till church tomorrow. She'll be sound asleep all church. But we're <laughs> Steadiness in life. Not tossed around about as a child. Children's emotions are quickly swayed, especially girls. Okay, I have three of them, right? No insult, but just, it's a reality. All right? I mean, their emotions are up and down. Daddy, I want to go with you outside. Daddy, can I go plowing? Can I go outside? Daddy, can we go? And then, like, we're getting the boots on, and it's a crying fest, you know? You're like, I said if we're going to have a crying fest, we're not going outside. <laughs> but I really want to go. 
Well, then wipe the tears away, all right? We're not going to cry about it. Then we get out there for five minutes. My hands are so cold. (laughs) Couldn't you see there was white stuff out there? I mean, good grief. All right, steadiness in life. Children are tossed about. As adults, we've got to be more stable than that. And faith brings unity. A church can't be united with doubting Thomas running the committees. A church can't be united with doubting Thomas running the church. And you got to understand that sometimes uh, we might have doubt in our hearts, and we might not even be aware how our friends might have doubts in, our heart, in their hearts because we might like our friends too much. Okay? Recognize doubt hinders the work of God. Doubt is sin, and so we must avoid it at all costs. Faith builds bridges. Faith says, you know what? I'm going to trust God to lead us forward. I'm going to trust God that, you know, his will is right. His way is right. Steadiness in life. Now, steadiness is something that's brought about, brought about by practice. My wife didn't learn how to play the piano one day just because she sat down at it. Now she has steady hands and she can play well. But, you know, that was not a shall we say, natural talent. She had to learn and practice a lot. She had to push herself a lot. My little sister, she sat down at the piano and she just, she memorized it. She could sit down. She could listen to anybody else play a song. She could watch a song. This is, well, back about that, about 15 years ago, there weren't as many YouTube videos. And she would listen to somebody play the piano. And she would sit down and play the entire thing verbatim. All the chords, everything. She just had that kind of brain, that kind of ability. It's amazing. Okay, steadiness. Steadiness comes through practice. So stability in leadership, steadiness in life. And then this is the last part, which is great. Okay, the steadiness in life keeps us on the road. It keeps us on the road of life. Aren't you thankful when you're driving in the car and somebody has a steady hand on the wheel? But aren't you nervous when they are just like on the, in the road and they can't hold it? Some people just can't hold it straight. And uh, man, it drives you crazy. And they, uh, they hit potholes and stuff in life, you know, and in the road of life. There's the sufficient supply of love. The sufficient supply of love. Now, if you'd like to hear about potholes in life, you can ask my wife about that. I was going to make a joke, but I decided not to make the full joke. But we had fun driving down to Pennsylvania. Thank the Lord, the van survived. The pothole, oh, I need to tell it. There's a pothole in the freeway, okay, and it's over on the white line, you know? Here we are in the car, and I'm sitting there on my side. Next thing you know, the mud flap's falling off the back of the van. I mean, we're in the ditch, and my head's in the ceiling, and it's like, mm. We're going like 70 miles an hour, you know. Ow. And then we, I was like, that was like an 8-inch, 6-inch, something like that. The pothole was deep, and it was long. It's like, how did, how did you not see that? I didn't see it. <laughs> I got teased the rest of the way home, too. We had a lot of fun and good humor. And uh, look, when you love one another, you can joke with each other a little bit. It's good, right? And my wife is a good driver. She likes to remind me. When I remind her of her her driving habits that actually do scare me, um, she reminds me of how I'm the one that gets pulled over for speeding. I'm the one that's gotten the most accidents. And she's never had an accident. (laughs) So... I just like, well, I've driven probably a million miles more. But anyways, um, you know, we like to joke about that and tease each other. And it's okay to do that. When you stay straight on the road, you need a steady hand. And we also need a sufficient supply of love. Look in the passage, because he talks about all these things that we're supposed to have in our life. 
Verse 15 says, speaking the truth in love. Verse 16 says, from the whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to his effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in what? Love. A sufficient supply of love. I want you to tell your doctor if you go see them and you have some sort of a joint ailment. I want you to tell them. Doctor, pastor said the real problem is my joint has a lack of love. Okay? That's what the Bible's saying here. Your joint has a lack of love. Just tell your doctor that. I'm pretty sure he thinks he's a medical person, you know. He said it had a lack of love. But that's, I want you to remember that working together, the joints, the way in which we connect, the love keeps that connection strong. Because as, I know Kamari likes to remind me this often, we're so different and diverse in here, aren't we? So many different backgrounds. And we had fun, we went out to lunch a few days ago, some of the guys, we were sitting down talking. He's like, you know what, we come from so many different backgrounds, yet we all can know Jesus and follow him and walk in faith. And you know, when you know Christ and you follow Christ, you have this love, the love which every joint supplieth. It's love to love somebody that you know might have done something wrong. You know they might have sinned. And one of the most edifying things you can do is love. Love is displayed when we overlook the faults of someone else. And some of the greatest help that I've received in life has been undeserved love folks have shown me. I didn't do anything special for them to cause them to love me. And look, God wants you and I to display love. That's only something he can do. But he says if we have the faith, we get the love. And the problem sometimes is we don't get the love because we didn't have the faith to trust God, to help us to love them. Look, I mean, it takes faith for me to walk into a situation where I have been rejected and truly in my heart display love again to the same person. But that's what Christ did for us. And that's what we need to do. See, love is not just loving those who love us. It's walking back into a situation. I've found over the last few years that when I've walked back into a situation where somebody truly displayed hate to me and I displayed love to them, it helped me. Now, whether or not it helped them or not, it was their business. But it helped me. And it will help you. Uh, God wants us, and you know what? Uh, they could not say anything because, that I didn't display love because they know I displayed love. They couldn't because it was God's love. You see, you understand, uh, there are those who have displayed love to you and to me, and it helps us to grow. Just a few months ago, we did something as a church, and it was a neat, a neat way in which God connected all the dots. Remember when we had the Pastor Appreciation Month where we sent letters out to all these preachers? One of those letters got a reply back. One of those letters got a reply back. And one of those letters was written to a man named Dan Benton, Pastor Dan Benton. And Sterling wrote that note to him. He didn't even know who he was. Remember I told you there were three different Dans. And I said one's been pastoring for 30 years in the same place, dealing with some discouragement. Sterling wrote him a note. Brother Benton that note got delayed because I sent it to the wrong address. I sent it to his old address. Uh, he doesn't receive mail at that address anymore. And the note came back. He sent a note back because it was, took a few months for the note to get to him and the gift that we gave him. And when he sent the note back, he said, I want, you to, I want to send this note to Sterling. And you know that was the week before Sterling started discipleship. Timing of God. God had been working on Sterling's heart. 
And I, I walked out to Sterling that week when he came in for discipleship. I said, by the way, I got a note here for you. You're special. Out of 37 notes that we sent out to pastors, you are the only one that got a personal handwritten address back to you. Now, many of them replied back and were so appreciative of everything that was done and said, please thank the church. Many, many of them did that. But this one specifically wrote a note to Sterling because Sterling's name was signed on there. He said, I, he said, I discerned by the handwriting that it was a youth that wrote me. And so he said, I wanted to write back. And you know that encouraged Sterling's heart. The edifying of itself in love. Now, I know that Brother Benton is disabled. He has cerebral palsy. He has to walk with two crutches. One of his main ministries is writing notes. I'm going to be going out to thousands of doors in the next few weeks. He can't do that. That's not his gift. But he has a gift of writing notes. And it just so happened God sent the note to him, his note to him. He got a note back. God has a way of displaying love and help. And I, I think the timing of God was so uh, wonderful in that. The supply of love. It causes us to love better when we see God displaying that love through others. In faith, we ought to seek to love those who will never repay that love. Jesus says in Matthew 6, 32, For if ye love them which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. Sinners love those who love them. It's displaying biblical love. Faith, the unity of faith, enables us to love one another. And look, don't, if you're feeling, you say, you know what, I wish people would just love me. Step up your love. That's the way. We, step up your love. We are each required to love. If you know Jesus Christ, love. And my friend, if you do not know Christ, you come put your faith in Jesus Christ and ask him to help you to love. Ask him to help you to love as only he can love. We can all help strengthen leadership. We can help this summer. If there's one thing you do, would you do something to show love to our intern? This next few weeks, when we have a missionary here, and then we have another uh, evangelist here, and then we have the S.H.I.E.L.D. family, would you do something to show love? You say, how could I show love? It could be completely free. Can we give you a free one? Walk up to them and say, hey, friend, thank you so much for driving up here and seeing us. Thank you so much for coming. How have you been doing? How's life for you? Ask them about something to care. Show love. Walk up to them and say, how have you been? How, has, how have things been for you, you know, with this time and the virus? How have things been for you uh, with your family? How are, you, how are your children doing? Is there anything I could get for you or do for you? Uh, displaying love, showing love to people. I tell you, it takes a lot of love for families like this to be on the road. Five kids traveling all over the United States seeking to go and serve God. And we can help and we can encourage and we can bless and we can show love to each of these families that we'll get to meet over the next few months. Uh, we can all help strengthen. We can, we can each ask God to cause us to be steady in life. We can have a sufficient supply of love when we find our place. And sometimes our place is just holding up others. Our place sometimes is just being an encouragement to others. But you know, when I see other leaders succeed in my life, who I have over the years seen succeed, and they succeeded because I got to hold their hand behind the scene, I got to hold them up, I got to do something in support, that's something you get to take with you to heaven. God saw it, and you got to be a part of it. You do something to encourage and stimulate and, and strengthen somebody's faith, that is a good thing. And look, uh, all who are willing-hearted came and served in the tabernacle, 
And I just, my challenge this, this today is simply this. If you're willing-hearted, if you're willing-hearted, I invite you to help and to serve in different ways that you sense God might lead you till we all come to the unity of the faith, to the knowledge of the Son of God. There's something that I've wanted to do for a while, and I've asked you to pray with me about this. Something to help encourage our church. I am going to, I'm just seeking to do it, the timing on when to do it, but I would like to start something called College of the Bible. And I'd like to do a four-hour class where we just teach Bible doctrine and we get to encourage you and we get to help you and strengthen you, maybe on a Saturday. And I'm just praying about the timing of when to start it and when to do it. And we'll do it for a short season. We'll do a block class and just do some time where we can learn Bible doctrine and get help. And I've been praying about that for several months. And I had some people praying with me about that since back in uh, November. We're seeking God's will. I said there's so many people in our church. God's sending so many people. We want to strengthen the leadership so that we can be stronger, so that we can go help more souls be one to Jesus Christ. So pray that God would direct, God would guide, and God would, would, would be glorified in everything that we do. And if you're willing-hearted, I ask you to invite somebody to the Renewal Conference. Help us invite folks, willing-hearted, willing-hearted, that we'd have the unity of faith. Believe God to use you. Believe God to use you to be a blessing. Believe God to use you to help somebody else come to Christ. Have a willing heart. Let's pray and ask God to help us with this. We'll stand for prayer.